Saturday? What day is it today? Wednesday. Exactly. Welcome to Film Fight Club. I'm Glenn Falcon, Sniper Falcon Screen, and we have a special episode. We are talking all things film festivals happening in Sydney and around Australia. Later in the program, we will be chatting with the directors of the Winter Film Festival, which is going into its third year, which is focused on Indigenous cinema in Australia and around the world. But first, the Russian Resurrection Film Festival, now in its 15th year, is in full swing, and we have the festival founder and director, Nicholas Maximo, with us to talk all things Russian Resurrection. Nicholas, thank you so much for joining us. Good afternoon. So first of all, I want to talk all things about the festival, but the festival premiered on Thursday night in Sydney, and I have to congratulate you because you have had quite an honour. You were awarded a medal in the name of Alexander Pushkin, which um, is, qu- is quite an honour in and of itself, but it's also something uh, that has to be approved directly, as I understand, by the President of Russia. Yes, um, indeed an honour, um, something that, um, you know, um, I will obviously cherish. But um, as I said at the opening, um, I believe the the medal is for the uh, collective effort of the whole team because, um, you know, um, if there was no team and, you know, people around me who support me, then obviously the Russian Resurrection Film Festival wouldn't have the, the support and the uh, prominence that it currently has. Well, it certainly does, and you've built something amazing up for the past 15 years. You and everyone who's worked in the festival, because it is the biggest uh, film festival focused on Russian cinema happening in the world outside of Russia. Yes, um, something that we're indeed proud of. Um, I suppose uh, we were able to achieve that only because, um, you know, I suppose we're, we're cheating in a sense because all the other film festivals, for instance, you know, there's. Um, you know, Russian film festivals in New York and San Francisco, but they're all sort of separate events, whereas our Russian Resurrection Film Festival happens simultaneously around uh, the whole of Australia plus New Zealand. So it's a, it's a travelling film festival, yeah. Very much so. I know um, it's, we obviously have you treated some of it in Sydney and those around the country will get to experience it very shortly. And before we get into some of the individual films, I'm curious, broadly speaking, what are the types of films that you would regularly, or at least this year, screen at Resurrection? Uh, the films you mean that we have selected? or Well, just the, I guess the how do you go about, what would be your criteria, broadly speaking, for selecting yeah. the films? Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, we sort of start selecting films from about February or March. And the criteria that we use is, firstly, we look at films that um, were confirmed at international film festivals, um, you know, be it Berlin or Cannes. So that's one sort of criteria that we look at. Um, The next criteria would be the Russian box office. We look at films that had, um, you know, a big impact at the Russian box office. Uh, And and then thirdly, we look at, obviously, um, directors that... um, have already had success at our film festival. Uh, we look at actors and producers that may have made a mark um, at the Russian Resurrection Film Festival. And then finally, um, we nail it down by genre. So um, we try and select, you know, one or two standout comedies, one or two standout art house dramas um, in order to be able to give our audiences, you know, a, a taste of everything. Yeah. Well, it certainly is a very diverse selection, one of which I was very fortunate to catch an opening night, which you is a sports 
drama, but you also have someone quite significant from the film and from Russian cinema who has accompanied this the premiere screening and come all the way to Australia to present the film. Yeah, Danilo Kozlovsky. Um, yes, the lead actor in the film, and he was actually uh, the director of the film. It's his debut feature as a director. Um, Danilo is is indeed a big name in in Russia in present day. He has also worked in Hollywood. So um, it was indeed an honor for him, and I think particularly more for for our audience to be able to meet him and um, you know mingle with him at the at the opening night in Sydney. And the film was quite something too. It's particularly well timed given um, Russia's recent hosting and uh, and quite how well the team did in the recent FIFA World Cup. Yeah, I think it was actually good timing. Um, you know, we. Um, obviously, you know, try and select a film that might appeal to to a wider audience, for particularly for opening night. And we thought that the fact that um, the World Cup was such a success in Russia, and um, and that the fact that um, you know our Australian Socceroos um, made it to the World Cup, and I think did Australia proud. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Um, yeah, um, I actually happened to be I happened to catch the last. Um, Socceroos game in Sochi, and then um, oh, wow. saw another, and then saw another game in Moscow. So of um, Russia versus Spain, which went into extra time and um, the then a games. penalty shootout. It was one of the best games of the whole cup. Yeah, incredible. so I think yeah, it was just a you know it all seemed to fall into place. You know when when we looked at the final uh, lineup that we had on offer for this year, we said that yeah. Um, we need to open with um, the coach, the um, uh, football drama, sports drama. What I loved about it is I'm someone who has you know watched all the games of the cup, but will sit early mornings watching EPL matches, and there are moments where it takes it lasts seconds, but it feels like it lasts minutes. And the, the film really captured that spectacularly well. Yeah, I think so. I agree very much. So um, you know there were members. Um, you know, of the audience, and even uh, Danila himself said um, that uh, uh, the fact that we sc- were able to screen the film in VMAX, um, it actually felt as if you were at the stadium for for certain aspects of the film. So, yeah, really good experience, I think. I think so too, and that is screening again um, in Sydney. The other, there's also a second film with Kozlovsky, which is also screening at the festival. Yeah, it's called In the Hood, and directed by Olga Zuyeva. Um, it's a film about friendship and mateship, a film that um, I suppose inspires, um, you know, fighting for each other. Um, it's about two guys that obviously, um, you know, are struggling to to have um, money um, in the seaside town of Vladivostok. And um, they obviously get involved with the mafia and the wrong people. And, and then as the film transpires, um, you know, it's, a, it's sort of a coming of age and a moment of truth for them both. Um, yeah, really, really enjoyable sort of film, probably more so for the younger audience. But um, yeah, a really good drama. Now, changing tech ever so slightly, you have a number of guests coming to the festival, one of which is quite a, another very well-known figure in Russia, Konstantin Kavensky, who has a very significant film, a film significant for a number of reasons, playing at this year's festival. Ah, uh, Yes, so he has two features, um, one of which he's the uh, director, debut director and lead actor, and that's Sobibor, 
a film about the only successful um, breakout of a Nazi uh, Holocaust camp. Um, and the other film is, a, I suppose, a complete uh, U-turn in that it's a, um erotic thriller, is the way it was described. Um, it's called Selfie, and it actually, um, you know, questions our our perception and our own understanding of, you know, present day, uh, you know, the social media in present day, I suppose, environment is the word I'm looking for, um, how dangerous it is to, you know, uh, post selfies um, on the internet. And, um, yeah, I suppose a really fitting film um, for contemporary uh, society anywhere in the world. Indeed, and he's uh, been quite fortunate in that one of his those films has been nominated as, as I understand, the Russian contender for the Academy Awards. Correct. Um, yeah, I've sort of had a chance to chat to him about that, and um, they're really hopeful that um, it actually makes the shortlist because it's made the long list now, and then the next step is obviously to make the shortlist. And um, yeah, it's a film that they're obviously going to be promoting to the Oscar committee. Um, I believe starting from December next month, um, you know, a whole marketing campaign to promote Sobibor for the Oscars. Excellent. And another film we can talk about, one I caught the other night, um, and as well as the Q&A with the director, Ivan Sverdovsky, which is quite an um, interesting dynamic film and one with um, some attributes and aspects I certainly haven't seen before in modern cinema. Yeah, I um, really enjoyed Jumpman. Um, It was a film that I saw um, whilst I was actually at the World Cup in Russia. Um, I found it very powerful. I suppose it was a film that really uh, portrayed um, the corruption in present-day Russian society. It was harsh. It sort of didn't uh, deviate from the message that that it was trying to transpire. Um, You know, the courtroom scenes... Uh, the the actual also relationship between, you know, um, all the lead characters, um, yeah, really stark, you know, very, very dark, very realistic. Um, yeah, I'm sort of, I suppose, using all the adjectives that come to my it's you know, hard, mind. At the... It's a hard film to describe. I mean, just talking about the main dynamic between uh, the two main figures, um, the jump man himself and... Uh, his mother is uh, is unique from what I've seen in the cinema, and the courtroom scenes were um, about as darkly funny as you could get. They were they were harrowing. But I, I, what I found really interesting was I listening to the Q and A. It elaborated so much for me, and because uh, he spoke about how uh, the issue of corruption and how it is perceived and acted upon by people generally, as opposed to figures who are. Uh, higher up in society, and certainly the film looks at that from the perspectives of so many. Yeah, it does. Um, you know, you mentioned the scenes between um, the boy and his mother. Um, you know, I, I found that as you, as more you were watching the film, uh, you know, you, you felt that, um, you know, the unease that was sort of um, about to boil into, um, you know, uh, boil over, yeah. Absolutely. I think it's something uh, audiences will uh, really uh, get something out of and enjoy seeing. Another one um, I was curious to talk about, I'm seeing it later tonight, I haven't seen it yet, is The Soul Conductor, which is a very different film from ones we talked about, as it is a fantasy. It is. It's, um, 
it's a horror slash thriller slash fantasy slash drama. Um, interestingly, I was talking to the director of the film, and um, because you know it has so many, I suppose, elements and, and genres to it, and he said that the way he describes it is that it's a it's a drama. Um, with elements of horror and fantasy added to it. And another I'm quite curious about, um, earlier this, very recently we saw The Star is Born, which is both a drama and a musical, an uncommon combination, but you also have a sports drama and a musical playing at the festival. Uh, Ice, I suppose, is the film you're referring to, yes? Yes. Yeah, it was actually released um, in Russia just before Valentine's Day. And um, it was a really big hit in, in Russia, and um, that's why we sort of, you know, noted it for our film festival. Um, the musical, I suppose, element would be more appealing to Russian viewers and people that, you know, maybe came from the Soviet Union and Russia who know the, the particular songs in, throughout the film. However, the actual ice skating drama and story is probably um, a cross-pollination that would um, appeal to to a range of people, you know. Um, in a way, even, you know, for those that saw the Tonya Harding um, film earlier this year about the figure skater, I forgot the name of the film. I, Tonya. Um, I, Tonya, that's right. And, um, yeah, I just found that sort of, um, I so interesting and appealing, yeah. Well, and now I've asked about a number of films I've seen. I'm very curious about, but I'm wondering: are there films that I haven't, or a film I haven't mentioned that uh, you think audiences might uh, get a kick out of, or should especially seek out? Um, yeah, I'd like to mention two possibly in the in the new sort of program. The first is Night Shift. Um, I saw that um, whilst I was in Russia earlier this year, and uh, it was um, a really interesting comedy. Um, because I suppose Russian cinema has been struggling with the genre of comedies for, for a number of years, but this one just stood out for me, you know, from the moment, um, from the moment the um, uh, title came up, I suppose. Um, it, it has a really strong dialogue um, attached to the film. The lines are sort of, um, it has punchlines that can be um, appreciated by not only Russian speakers, if you know what I mean. Yes. Um, and it's basically about two strippers who are oh, not strippers, but they're actually welderers. But because right. um, they're struggling to, to earn money and the factory where they work is about to close down, they obviously need to make a living. And so they get, end up getting jobs as strippers in a, in a gay nightclub. So um, right. really uh, bizarre, I suppose, topic, given the current, I suppose, political climate in Russia. And the second one is a film directed by Alexei Petruchin called The Challenge. Um, yes. For people that want to see uh, a drama thriller uh, develop on screen, it, it is a, a loosely based on the Nordos Theatre Siege of 2004, uh, which you may recall in Moscow, where um, terrorists, um, you know, took uh, audiences as hostages during a musical production. And this film is loosely based on, on those actual events. And why I found it particularly interesting was that it really um, focuses on the um, dialogue that um, develops between the teacher and the lead um, hostage taker. So very interesting sort of nail-biting thriller. 
I, I remember the events. I was in, I was actually in high school at the time, and I think that's uh, screening tomorrow night. So I'm doing encourage audiences to check that out. And for people who do want to see the festival, where do we get tickets? Where do we go? How do we get there? Yeah, you go to RussianResurrection.com, and um, or in Sydney, obviously through Event Cinemas. Just jump onto Event Cinemas website. And um, around the country, if you're in Melbourne, then obviously Acme, um, Brisbane is, is event cinemas. And it's uh, Luna Leaderville in Perth. Um, and just finally, I'd mentioned that, you know, the festival always has a retrospective component. Yes. And we've got a number of really powerful um, Soviet films, multi-award winning films, uh, critically acclaimed films that are part of the program. Oh, excellent. I'm looking forward to catching the rest of the festival and I'm jetting off soon too, so hopefully you can catch some screenings in other states. And Nicholas, thank you so much for joining us and best of luck for the Brisbane opening. Thank you very much and thanks for your time. We'll be back right after this. back to Film Fight Club. That was Microwave Jenny with Stuck on the Moon, a new band I discovered, and I'm very glad I did. I'm going to listening to some more of their stuff. But for the moment, we're not talking music. We're talking the Winter Film Festival, which is going into its third year. It's kicking off soon. And we have, from the festival, Medika Thorpe and Pauline Clegg talk all things winter. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. Yeah. So we want to get to talk about the films that are happening this year. But first of all, Winter. What is it? What is it all about? Winda is a Indigenous film festival um, celebrating Indigenous films and filmmakers from ac- across Australia and around the world. Um, and we are in our third year this year. Um, Pauline and I came together in 2016 to start something new and exciting. And I think, you know, our backgrounds, I'm quite new in the industry and Pauline's quite seasoned in um, in the industry. So we we just seen a, a, an opportunity to come together to bring Winda to life. Um, and Winda means uh, the Milky Way in the Gambangia and Yagel lang- language. language. Mm. So from, you know, and it just kind of, it's a very encompassing um, kind of meaning because, you know, when we talk about Indigenous people, there's one thing that we all do share is the sky and then the stories from the sky and how we interpret that and, and how we use that to guide us and, you know, to look to ancestors. So, yeah, it's it's quite a beautiful thing how we started. And usually the Milky Way in November, the reason why we do it in November is because the Milky Way itself uh, that is the emu dreaming for us and uh, and it's when the emu's head is, is down on earth checking on its people and it's a time for story and reflection before um, big business happens for our communities. So, um, you know, it's a really important time for us to sort of kind of look at culturally as well and also to celebrate the amount of uh, amazing work that's happening both globally and nationally. That's, that's beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I've seen the festival grow over the past few years. I remember Pauline, we chatted a couple of years back when it was just starting off. And now there are so many features, so many shorts playing. It's really, um, it's just 
grown and just become so successful. Absolutely. I mean, I think it's a really exciting time for for Indigenous cinema on the world scale. I mean, you, you look at it even just in Australia. Um, we this year celebrated 25 years of the Indigenous branch at Screen Australia. Um, and, you know, looking at the illustrious careers of some of the people like the Warwick Thorntons and the um, Richard Franklins and Erica Glynn's, um, you know, has been a really amazing thing, but also this emerging sector of uh, young filmmakers as well. And so having that as well as on the international scale, scale, really seeing a development into the feature level has been something that's been really amazing. I mean, uh, Canada this year produced something like five feature films from Indigenous filmmakers. They don't have an Indigenous branch. They do it a lot differently and with a lot less funds. Um, But, you know, you see that amazing... um, connection uh, in terms of identity and stories about resilience and uh, the struggle of our communities to stand up and uh, be counted. Thank you. And it actually feeds perfectly into my next question because one of the films you have playing is from Canada and I have the great, had the great pleasure of seeing this film. It's a remarkable feature. It's a beautiful feature. And I wonder if you can tell us a little bit about the Canadian feature you have playing at the festival. So is that the opening night? Um, I think uh, Maliglutet. Oh, yes. Oh, Maliglutet? Yes. Um, yeah, so that's Searches. It's uh, Zachariah Canuck's uh, latest venture. Well, actually, I shouldn't say that because he's just started shooting his third th- feature. But he originally um, did Arjunut the Fast Runner, which uh, got an Oscar nomination way back uh, about 10 years ago. Uh, and Megalert, uh, which is The Searchers, is a play on a John, on a um, Henry Ford film. Uh, he sort of kind of created a Western in the middle of Inuit country, uh, <laughs> set in the 1913s, sort of talking about that first time when police and mm. um, uh, came into their country and um, and and played on the western in a in a very Inuit style uh, with a lot of snow and yes <laughs> indeed uh, but it's a beautiful film and we we felt like we um, wanted to make sure that it, it sort of kind of had a scope within the space of um, the indigenous arena because we 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 didn't we couldn't show it last year it was doing a bigger festival circuit and so we wanted to make sure that it was a part of this year along with Nils Gaup's film uh, Birkin um, Bin which is the last king it's a Norwegian uh, Sápmi film um, which is sort of kind of like a Game of Thrones meets it's amazing Sami such a beautiful <laughs> film yeah. um, sort of the, and, and in the same way is about a resilience and the, and the sort of fight for their last born king of their sort of kind of system uh, and trying to keep him alive in the in the highlands of uh, Sami, Finland mm. and Norway and Sweden and some sort of incredible scenes of it. them kind of fighting and and racing down snowy hills on skis and it's just such an (laughs) exactly and action-packed it's such an incredible film like the cinematography on that film is just yeah it's incredible it's such a it's a must-see I'm looking for. I saw the trailer. It's so oh, good. <laughs> driven. <laughs> it I, is. I, mean, I, I was watching the trailers for the different features you have playing. A lot of them are very thought-provoking, very ethereal. And out of nowhere, there's this, wow, okay, we're watching something straight up. I can almost hear the Game of Thrones music. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <and> pumping. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, it's a really exciting time, I think, in terms of, you know, we've seen it here in Australia, you know, filmmakers often when we first start making films, we we do the autobiographical or the, the stories that mean something to us and then we start playing with genres like most filmmakers. And, you know, we've seen it in Australia with sci-fi being the part of Clever Man and, yes. and all of that. And, um, you know, we uh, there's this young filmmaker for our closing night film, which is in Barangaroo this year. We always do one under the stars because we are winter. <laughs> um, and so our open night um, uh, free uh, event is the last night of the festival and that will be down at Barangaroo. And it's a, a Greenlandic sci-fi film. Uh, and the young guy, he's 23, making feature films. He learnt how to do all the effects when he was seven, learning YouTube um, wow. and how to do wow. After Effects. So you look at this, I mean, he's very well crafted in knowing how to do special effects now because the whole film has this beauty of uh, of of him sort of kind of really entrancing into that space, which is really exciting. Well, from what I understand about the film, it's very much focused on myth and legend, so it mm. seems that sort of medium would be perfect for um, Among Us in the Land of the Shadows. Yeah. Yes, that's yes. it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and that's the great thing about a lot of our stuff. You know, I mean, we call it sci-fi, but is it really? Because mm. for us, some of our myths, you know, uh, are real. <laughs> for us, you know, like Clever Man, our hairy men are real in our yep. communities. And so <laughs> it's hard for us to call it sci-fi, but it's a genre that's sort of kind of really encapsulated within the Indigenous community in a big mm. way. Mm. Wonderful. Mm. And and while we're talking about what is uh, realism, you have, recently in festivals now, there's virtual reality segments playing, and you have a couple of virtual yeah. reality segments uh, screening as part of, or sc- I'm not sure screening is the right word, but something Yeah, well, an experience, I guess it is. Um, we do have five incredible um, works, VR works, um, a part of the virtual reality sessions, which is all happening at the UTS just here next door at the Tower Building one. Um, and it's an all-day experience. So, it's you know, it's uh, we've got some uh, filmmakers that are, you know, that are kind of, you know, got that sci-fi, like you said, with um, – well, with Tyson when, Warren. Yeah, there's some real um, real imaginings of how to use VR as well, um, whether it be with dance, uh, with Fangirl, which is the Fire Finnais from Samoa and, mm. uh, and New Zealand sort of kind of dancing around you, um, or whether it's the 2167 um, films that are um, a reimagining. So last year in Canada, it was a 150-year celebration of Canada becoming Canada and Imaginative, which is the largest film festival, decided to reimagine in 150 years' time what the world would be. And so filmmakers and artists Mm. created some VR experiences for that. Um, And then uh, Tyson Mawaran, who's an amazing filmmaker from Australia who lives in Roburn and you wouldn't (laughs) think somewhere in the middle of WA would produce these amazing... um, sort of a spirit of creating the Dreamtime story uh, in his mm. his style. Um, it's a bit out there and it's a bit fantastical, which is great. <laughs> it has that sci-fi experience to it. Um, but it's an interpretation of his songline from his area. Well, it's certainly the experience you want with VR. I've been, I've been, it's, we've seen more and more and it's getting better and better. I'm excited to see what is on display just next door at my old alma mater. <laughs> and also that is... 
you have so many short screen. We've talked about the features, but you have a, a series of short films screening as part of the festival. Yeah, I think we have about five uh, collections, short collections. So there's two that are all Australian, um, and then there's some internationals. Um, you know, from some of the, the the films that we that were a part of the Native Slam um, challenge of this year. So Native Slam is a a, a, a filmmaking. Um, challenge films made in 72 hours with very limited funds and and resources so that's something that's been happening in this it's in its third year this year so that they're included in some of the the shorts um but yeah there's some really beautiful um if some from emerging um artists as well that's where we see the majority of the scope of i suppose films there's films from south america um, films India. from India, um, Peru. Peru, yeah, and that's where you see that these these linkages, you know, between the Love Bound sort of series versus the Love of Country, you mm. know, they all sort of kind of tell these stories about our connection to our cultures as well as our connection to land. And I think we have over twenty odd Australian premieres just out of those shorts. So I think it's that's really something. Yeah, it just goes to show that there is a, a you know, there's films out there being made that are, you know, um, deserve to be given a platform to be shown in the in on the big screens and and especially within, you know, their own country, their own communities. So I think you know that's just a testament to what is really out there and and what we what and, is being produced. And also the need for a festival like Window yeah. to still be a part of the landscape because if we're getting that many Australian premieres, then it means that there There's is a obviously a, a need and a yeah. market to show that space. I think there is, and I'm very glad Window is there. And for <laughs> those who want to seek it out, when is it happening? How do we get there? And how do we get tickets? Um, so the festival runs from the 22nd to the 25th of November. Um, it's all happening at the event cinema George Street. That's the um, the main screenings. And like Pauline mentioned, closing night is at Barangaroo um, Reserve. And um, yeah, so and you can check out our website, windowfilmfest.com. All our programs are up on there. And you can get tickets through that there as well.